Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Come see the Boutique on Central in downtown Laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing. Let us complete your one-of-a-kind look at the Boutique on Central at 531 Central Avenue in downtown Laurel. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky after Old Miss, you know, dominated Vanderbilt for two quarters and the two more important quarters anyway. They went from being down at the half to covering a three-score spread. We're here to talk about it. Old Miss gets a comfortable second-half win anyway over Vanderbilt. It was uh, a sleepy early game, 52-28 uh, the final, 52-28 Ole Miss wins over Vanderbilt, and that's what we're talking about today. Obviously, we're going to talk about that game. Uh, my thoughts from it, uh, if there's anything interesting, Lane Kiffin said after the game, there was also uh, an injury that we don't know anything about, but we know how it looked. So we'll talk about all that on the podcast with you today. Again, my name is Michael Borky. Follow me on Twitter. B-O-R-K-E-Y is the last name. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Whichever one you use, follow, subscribe, or like, you know, follow, like, and subscribe. Either way, Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y. And if you don't subscribe to this podcast, please do wherever you get them. If you're listening in browser, that's a mistake. Just pull up your favorite podcast app, whichever one that you use, and search Rebel Report, hit subscribe, leave a rating, and a review if you like what you hear. Uh, anyway, let's get into this game. So again, final score, Old Miss 52, Vanderbilt 28. Little box score house cleaning. Jackson Dart, 25 of 32. A very efficient day besides two head-scratching interceptions. The best game of his career so far, 448 yards passing, three touchdowns. Again, those two interceptions. A.J. Swan on the other side for Vanderbilt. He, he I can see why Clark Lee made the move now, uh, going from Mike Wright to A.J. Swan. He's got potential. He's got a lot of it. Uh, is going to end up being, if he keeps developing, a nice little player. Uh, for sure. He was 27 of 38 for 281, had a couple of touchdowns. Ray Davis had 106 on the ground, but um, I was on 27 carries, so that's just under four per carry. All in all, Vanderbilt rushed for 122 yards on the ground uh, on 40 attempts. That is good for 3.1 per carry. On the other side, Zach Evans looked healthy, only got 11 touches because of how Vanderbilt was defending and how they decided to attack Vanderbilt. But 81 yards on the ground on 11 touches, uh, if you're doing the math, that is uh, 7.3 yards per carry in one nasty touchdown run where he just kind of put Vanderbilt literally on his back, it felt like, and just carried the entire defense into the end zone. That was a special run. Uh, Judkins had his most pedestrian day, 46 yards on the ground, but 4.2 per carry. Jackson Dart only carried it a couple of times, but uh, it was for 15 yards. He's an effective runner. I feel like they didn't tell him to run. We'll get to that here uh, in a second. Jonathan Mingo broke a record. The same record that Elijah Moore broke on the same field just two years ago. And apparently Jonathan Mingo, after the game, uh, was greeted as players, I imagine, do when they get to the locker room, they grab their phone to get texts from their parents and their girlfriends and their buddies saying good game or whatever. But he got one from Elijah Moore, uh, who was fired up to see Mingo break his record. So that's pretty cool. It's cool on two fronts. One, that you've got a guy in Elijah Moore that despite getting ready for a game that he was playing in the next day was locked in and focused on watching 
Ole Miss, which is also cool. And then having the humility to not only like acknowledge that somebody broke your record, but be very happy for that guy is a, a pretty cool thing. Tells you a lot about Elijah Moore. Uh, but yeah, 247 on just nine catches for Jonathan Mingo. He was uncoverable. Uh, two touchdowns. The long was 72, but I think he had a handful of long ones. He was just really good. Jordan Watkins is starting to come on as a threat. He had 117 yards on just seven receptions and that touchdown at the end of the first half that really felt like it calmed things down a little bit for Ole Miss. Uh, He was good. Michael Trigg had one catch and and there was the injury I referenced. He came off the field holding his shoulder. Uh, Some people have reported some things. I I don't know what's true and what's not. Honestly, I, I, I don't know. I do know that that looked the way they were treating it and the the way it looked, um, th- there there's a chance it feels like you might be without Michael Trigg at least for some period of time, uh, and you hate it because that's two years in a row now that Michael Trigg's season, if if this is as bad as it looked, again, which I don't know, but if it is that bad, uh, that would be two years in a row where injuries kind of derailed his season. So hopefully it's not what it looked like and he's back healthy, but that's something obviously. Uh, to to keep an eye on um, Malik Heath had his most pedestrian day so far. Uh, Zach Evans caught, and so did Judkins, caught passes out of the backfield. Not many. I think it was only three combined. But that's something that I, I'm curious to see as the competition starts getting better, if they start using some of that more, because both of them looked capable catching the football uh, out of the backfield. Vanderbilt had a couple of guys with big days. Will Shepard is a stud. He wasn't their leading receiver, but Will Shepard's a star at Vanderbilt, the young uh, wide receiver. Uh, The nature of college football is what it is. I promise you there are Ole Miss players that are being tampered with right now. So go ahead and tamper with that kid. Get him on your team. That that kid is a a star in the making, really good player. Uh, but uh, Jaden McGowan actually had more receiving yards than him. He had 104. Uh, Ole Miss early in this game kind of slept walk. So that's that's where we'll start is uh, obviously fans were concerned in the first half of that game because Ole Miss played like crap. They had a couple of bad penalties. Um, they were losing the game. Uh, they were physically getting pushed around a little bit. And... It, it, you obviously never want to see your team played poorly and Ole Miss played poorly. But I think if even if you were watching that game with the clearest of lenses, even if you had no red and blue glasses on whatsoever, the clearest of lenses, they very much appeared to be disinterested. Now, you, you can use that as a positive spin or I guess a negative spin if you want. You can spin that into something bad that Ole Miss – why weren't they ready to play and the team wasn't prepared and all that stuff? And Look, it's not an excuse, or maybe it is, but with the big emotional game that they played last week against Kentucky, an early sleepwalk isn't that surprising. That happens often, actually. It happens a lot in college football where teams kind of sleep through the next game, especially if it's somebody like Vanderbilt where the stadium's not anywhere close to full and the entire side of your field is wearing your color. So the environment couldn't even juice you up at all. Um, You had a team coming off of a bye week and they were, and Clark Lee's a good coach and he's got a good staff and they were ready to play. And it, 
maybe it's an excuse. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I just know that the first half of this game was played by a shell of what the Ole Miss team actually is, and they woke up and dominated. And so does that is that an indictment on the coaching staff? I don't think so. It's hard to get 18 to 22-year-olds up and focused and locked in for 12 games a year. Uh, I do think, though, it is a little concerning because I think Ole Miss has played one complete game this season, and it was at Georgia Tech, where offense, defense, uh, special teams for four quarters played well. Uh, they still have only done that once, but they only had four possessions in the second half against Kentucky. And uh, anyway, point is, you're not going to get complete games all the time. But Ole Miss was sleepwalking early. Kiffin's halftime quotes were a, a pretty good sign that he wasn't worried at all. Uh, he even joked after the game about. Uh, how he gave just an awesome halftime speech, and that's why they no, they just they, they locked in a little bit. They got punched in the mouth by a team that was rested and focused, and they woke up and dominated the way they were supposed to. Uh, they, I, I think that's all you can chalk it up to because they they didn't play well early. They were sleepwalking early. You could see it very very clearly that they were just kind of sleepwalking through the early part of this game, and when they decided to lock in they beat the brakes off of Vanderbilt. So there you go. This podcast is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University in Oxford. Go by and get one of their lunch specials. They're, they have daily lunch specials uh, Monday through Friday. Every day during the week, you can get something to eat uh, at LB. So if you don't feel like doing the cooking, they will do the cooking for you. Uh, but they also have the best selection of meat in this state. So when you go tell Greg or the good people there at LBs that I sent you, they'll hook you up. They've got the best selection of meat in the state. So if you're cooking with it, that's the place to go get it. That's LB's just across from Kroger on University in Oxford. This podcast is also brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you're in the market, you or your business are in the market for office technology and you're located anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi, ABSMS.com has you covered. They started in Jackson, but again, they do service the entire state. So if you're in the market for copiers and printers and mail machines or cloud storage, data security, phone systems, tech in the office. If you need it, absms.com is the website. Advantage Business Systems, you tell them I sent you, get a complimentary assessment. So you tell them what you need and what your budget is, and they will come out and give you an assessment on me, absms.com. So Jackson Dart's day, He um, it, what's, what's so interesting about Jackson Dart? One, I think he took another step forward today. Saturday. I think he took another step forward in his development. Um, I, I can sense such frustration from Lane Kiffin because for nine out of 10 plays, he looks absolutely phenomenal. Uh, just phenomenal. I mean, making good decisions, hitting his checkdowns if something downfield is not there. He, obviously, he's got incredible arm talent and, and that flashes all the time. And then there's that one play where after it happens, you're like, where? who is that guy that just did that? That first interception, I mean, he's keeping things underneath. He was protecting the football. And then just something happened where where he just like, nine out of ten plays, he's phenomenal. And then you have that one uh, that is not. What I do like about Jackson Dart, though, it, it even applies, in my opinion, uh, after this game, 
where he threw two interceptions. But something that has impressed me so far uh, about Dart is uh, talent aside, because that's obvious. If you're one of those people that's still holding out thinking that uh, Jackson Dart's not a guy with an incredibly high talent ceiling, I'm sorry, you don't know what you're watching at this point. Uh, He's got all the talent in the world, all the talent in the world. Uh, And it's clear. He's just not a finished product. But what what should be encouraging to you is what happens to him after the mistakes are made. You saw it in Atlanta. He threw a bad end-of-half interception uh, in Atlanta and got just ripped apart by his coach. And what he did after that was apparently in the locker room, he took to the coaching, didn't pout, didn't you know get into his feelings that his coach was yelling at him, took it, wore it, and then played damn near flawless in the second half. A very similar thing happened here. Had a very bad interception. Horrible, horrible interception early in this game. And what happened after that was he was basically flawless. So I'm going to pull up the the drive chart here. So he threw the interception in the second quarter. And their next drives were touchdown, 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 touchdown. And they were three plays, 65 yards, seven plays, 62 yards, seven plays, 83 yards. That that quick touchdown uh, immediately after Vanderbilt's fumble in the second half, one play, 71 yards. And then he threw another interception in the second half um, deep in Vanderbilt's red zone, which that was a weird Situation. I think there was some kind of miscommunication or something that happened there because that that didn't look like that was just a bad decision. That looked like there was something more to that. But after that, the next two drives, touchdown, touchdown. The the way he has responded to mistakes, I think, is really encouraging or should be really encouraging. The way he's responded to mistakes because they haven't unraveled. I mean, he threw that interception when they were losing the football game. Uh, and Vanderbilt, I think, turned that into a, a score after that. They were losing the game, and he just kind of settled in and and was okay after that. And it, it didn't let one mistake turn into four or five. It was just one mistake in a vacuum and led the offense to consecutive touchdown drives after that. That's an encouraging sign for a young quarterback is what he does after he makes mistakes. And so far, what he's done after he's made mistakes is – put it immediately behind him, and gone out and played good football after that. That's something that I would be really encouraged by. It's Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's defense is not particularly good, but uh, the, having the deep shots incorporated in the offense is going to open some things up for the running game. Looked like Vanderbilt sold out to stop the run, gave themselves a lot of vulnerabilities in their back end, and almost took advantage. Uh, I suspect a lot of teams are going to do that. I would think Auburn's going to do that this week. I think Auburn's going to stack the box and say, Uh, you're not going to beat us by running. Here you go, Jackson. We're going to give you some one-on-ones. You beat us. I think that's something similar to what he's going to see this weekend. So can he do it again? We will have to see. Something that that, that stands out to me also is the snaps. There was one, it looked like it was a miscommunication, but um, they were good. So I don't know what they did. They still did a lot of shuffling on the offensive line, which – 
I can't help but wonder if it's starting to have adverse effects on on their effort with how much shuffling they're doing on the offensive line. Uh, guys playing different positions and all that on a weekly basis. I wonder at, at what point they decide they need to stop doing that so they can you know, get comfortable and play as a cohesive unit. But either way, uh, the snaps were good. The snaps were good for the most part. And uh, that was a big improvement from last week is uh, you didn't see – uh, near as much Dart having to play second base <laughs> as he's taking snaps off of his feet. It was much better. So so that's obviously a very good thing. And um, it, it took six weeks, but whatever they did, they figured it out and snaps were better. And that is something that had to get fixed. And after one week, it appears that they did. Uh, defensively, again, I thought early Ole Miss was kind of physically getting pushed around a little bit, in part because Vanderbilt you know, emphasized running the football early and, and were more physical than Ole Miss up front early. Then Ole Miss went to a four-down front in the second half and, and kind of shut that down. I wonder if you're going to see more of that moving forward, if you're going to see more four two fives instead of three two fives or three two sixes from Ole Miss if they start putting four guys down on the defensive line because they, they have been getting pushed around a little bit. Now, Kentucky, not really. I mean, Rodriguez had a nice day, but that's all he had. Ole Miss was pretty good defensively last week against Kentucky, but a theme for them this season has been they've given up chunk yards right up the middle. Once they put an extra guy on the line, that kind of stopped. I wonder if that's going to be something that you see more of moving forward is because once they made that adjustment, Vanderbilt really didn't move the football that well on them. Uh, frankly, I'm a little disappointed considering what I said about this defensive line going into the game. They don't, uh, they, they have not gotten at the passer very well. Uh, no sacks in the game uh, on Saturday. Uh, DeAndre Prince is really good for what it's worth. He had four pass breakups. He's been really good the last couple of weeks, but, um, Right now, uh, the, the defensive line is not getting enough pressure. Ole Miss is not pressuring the quarterback enough uh, with just their guys, uh, Robinson and, and Johnson and, and whoever. I mean, maybe Kari Coleman coming back healthy will will help with that. They'll send him more. Uh, he looked like he was a more than capable blitzer from that linebacker spot, but not generating enough pressure from just their defensive linemen right now uh, is something that I'm keeping an eye on. Um you don't have to worry about that much this week. You really have to worry about Ashford running around on you. Same thing in, in Baton Rouge two weeks from now is you have to be more worried about running quarterbacks than you know getting pressure on them because they're going to distribute accurate footballs. Neither of these guys are really good at that. But still, I'm wondering uh, what they're going to try to do to help, whether they bring extra pressure. And again, when Coleman comes back, maybe that will figure itself out. But they do have to do better there. Um, they have to get after the passer better because when Vanderbilt is able to kind of sit in the pocket and throw the football around, you've got a problem, and they've got to fix that quickly. So all in all, though, nice win. You finally got a good second half from Ole Miss. They finally played a good second half offensively, and it was a dominating one. So um, good stuff, good stuff. It's a, it's a win in the SEC when you cover a three-score spread. Three score spread. It's hard to complain much about that in hindsight. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. And I'll see you again on Wednesday. 
Super Talk Mississippi media production.